0: Welcome everyone to episode fifteen of the Gamify Everything podcast: The Metaverse and Beyond. I'm your host Marcus Howard, and today we are joined by Katie D. Stefano. Is that am I pronouncing it correctly? Your last name?
1: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, that's correct.
0: Excellent, excellent. Hi, thank
1: you so much, Marcus. I'm so happy to join. It's a real honor.
0: Thank you. Thank you for joining. Uh, this little bit of housekeeping items here. Uh, this this podcast is powered by Gamify. It's an Ideo Launchpad. It's basically a crowdfunding platform for all Gamify projects. Metaverse, blockchain gaming, play to earn, esports, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's gamified. Gamify is your platform of choice. Katie, thank you for joining us all the way from Europe. You're specifically where in Spain, I believe?
1: Yes, in Marbella, Spain. That's right.
0: All right, all right. And you, I believe, are six hours ahead of me. It's what, near 4 p.m. or so there?
1: Yes, it's 4 p.m. here. It's late afternoon. What's the time at your place?
0: It's 10, 12 in the morning. But I, I've been up since six, so it's not so early for me now.
1: No, you have kids, so you're used to going up early.
0: <laughs> yeah, 5.30 or 6, like clockwork. And you have
1: kids too as well, right? Yes, I have two girls. They're uh, three. and Actually, she's just turned four. Uh, four and five, so two big girls, I think. How old are yours?
0: My daughter will actually be five um, this upcoming Monday.
1: Oh, and then nice. my son is three. Oh.
0: So, Thanks again for joining us. For those who don't know you, and and you and I have been connected on LinkedIn for quite some time, you've you've done a lot of work in the metaverse space, and in iGaming and in cannabis. Can you tell people who you are and a little bit about yourself?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, um, again, my name is Estefano. I'm based in Spain, but I'm originally born in Indonesia and grew up in Sweden, which I consider home. Um, I have been in iGaming in 10 years now, so... Quite some time. I started out um, as a teenager. Um, it actually is a funny story. I was working as a cashier when I was 19, um, and I was robbed, um, which caused me to become uh, very, very much um, depressed in a sense. But I lost like all of my will to um, live or be social or anything, you know. Um, so I started to like figure out what can I I do something I need I need to, like a start over after I was robbed. So I looked over like at the internet, where can Swedish people easily get jobs? Uh, and they said Malta in the in, So I just took a random flight there, decided like, okay, I'll start over. <laughs> um and I got a job uh, at customer support at a company called Betson. It's a big Swedish company that supplies sports, book, casino, poker, a lot of different things. And that was my way into the industry and I was never really thought to be a career. Um, because I wasn't a big gambler myself. But as I got into it and I started to talking to a lot of players, uh, my view of the gambling industry completely changed. Um, in the beginning as like, you know, the house is trying to take money from people and it's just like a lot of addicted, you know, players and you know, it, you know, it's bad. It's like stigma around it. Um, but once I got into it and I started to talk to a lot of players, I'm seeing that, you know, this is not the players that um, the oper- operators really want. They have and want, they can afford to gamble. And I think you, you as an American probably can understand that more because working, I started out in Europe, as I said, but I'm the past three years now with Hard Rock in Atlantic City. Um, And the difference between American gambling and European gambling is so different. you Americans, you see it as an entertainment. You can go with your friends and gamble. And, you know, you can um, understand the concept that you're actually spending money to have fun. Whereas Europeans, when they gamble, expect to win every time. And it's just like, that's why it's such a bad thing. Um, But uh, I started to fall in love with this industry because... I just found the technology, especially working online, was so interesting. Uh, I've always had like a persona online. I think I've had more friends online than I've had in real life. It's just like one thing that I've just always liked, just talking to people all over the world. And um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And then from customer support, I worked my way up to um, a VIP manager. So basically, I started up a VIP department by myself for a couple of um, uh, casino brands. Uh, and I managed their VIP players I actually got to have really good contacts with them, whether it was casino players or sport players. Um, and for, I think, four years in total, I actually got private relationships with some of these, you know, big players. And that's you know, made me fall in love with this industry even more because there's such a big um, thing about gambling. Like, I used to think about gaming was only, you know, video games maybe or, um, you know... The typical ones but there, there's such a broad spectrum of gaming like now we talked about metaverse um and i i don't want to say i mean you said that i have done a lot of things in the metaverse and i have not like i literally just got an oculus quest um i think a month ago and then what is the metaverse like is it just being in vr no of course it's not going to be several metaverses and stuff like that but now that i've started to use vr i see the word metaverse in another step I don't know, You've it's different. But anyway, um, after I was V.P. Um, VIP manager, I uh, got into marketing um, and I started to mostly focus, as I said, on the US. Um, once i had done marketing for one and a half years, I started my own company. So um, I have that with my ex husband. Um, and uh, we do everything from build websites, apps, but also help with a marketing campaigns, particularly than uh, gaming companies. Uh, and then lately, I've also helped a lot of cannabis clubs here in Spain. So uh, I mentioned in the beginning, I when I got a depression, and for the past ten years, I've been battling anxiety and depression in different periods, difficulties, like how. But um, so once I found cannabis, what was it, seven years ago? My life completely changed, and I think that has a lot to do with when I started. To um, create this VIP department, when I started to put more focus into my my work, my career, I could actually adapt the marketing, and I got out of this thing in my out of my head with half of it. So, um, where I lived at the time, Malta, cannabis wasn't legal, and once I had kids, it really really scared me um, to consume or be associated with it because I didn't want to lose my kids. Um, so I heard about Spain and that there was legal, legal cannabis here in Spain. So I ended up moving here. Um, but once I got here, I realized like no one knows at all, and most people, even Spanish people, um, don't know how legal it is and to what extent, you know. <laughs> so because the thing with the cannabis industry in Spain is um, they're not they're not allowed to have any signs. Where they are, they're not allowed to show anything, you know. Some places, depending on where you are, you also have to be a resident. So, um, what I've started doing uh, in the last year is I started mapping out non profit um, where all these clubs are because, again, since they can't spend money on marketing, I can for free just do it. And I li- really believe in the <laughs> legal- uh, like legalizing the plant and how we can many people and I saw myself like how I have grown what I have done in the last few years and again I don't know why I have to mention it but I feel like I have to often when I say that I consume cannabis but I eat alcohol I, ha- I, I don't like alcohol at all I don't tobacco I'm completely against that as well um, and for me this is just a replacement for antidepressants which actually did, did not work for me um, and, uh, yeah, when we talk about the metaverse and <laughs> gambling, cannabis in there, I'm also seeing that the cannabis VR is so big. So many people that have, like, worlds or associations to create, you know, items in the metaverse that you can smoke or you can consume or, you know, listen to music, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that's me. sorry, I just rambled on. <laughs>
0: No, that, that was all great. There's so many amazing points that I wanted to follow up on. I know I'm sorry that you were Rob. Uh, my sister used to work at a gas station. The oh, Maddie, Maddie. Hey, Maddie. Maddie. <laughs> Welcome to my family. Maddie. Hey. Yeah, I get you. It. Made a conversation. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie. See you later. So, back to the podcast. Uh, my my sister was robbed working at a gas station, and I think that's had a profound impact on her as well. So I'm sorry that happened to you, and I'm I'm glad that you found a way to uh, maybe cope is not the right word, but but uh, uh, heal, I think is a better word. And, and I'm glad that cannabis is a part of that that healing solution. And I think that there's a major stigma still against that here in the U.S. as well. Um, I Actually, I, I think it echoes the situation in Spain where even though it is legal here in the U.S. And in a number of states, not nationally, but in a number of states, it's still illegal to uh, advertise it. And so I think you can't do like ads. And, and I think in some cases on certain platforms, like cannabis companies are being like shadow banned, if you will, where their content is not getting engaged because of the algorithm
1: so it's it's exactly. important that, that
0: that you can advocate for it because you understand like you are a, a real life example of the medical benefits that it, it brings
1: mm. no, I absolutely feel like that, and I think for me in the beginning, like I was always against it like I just talk about cannabis now like I was a good girl so to say you know I was uh had good grades and school, everything up until that point when I was robbed um I had like six months left uh, of high school when I- I was robbed and it became so bad after that, um, you know, the pressure I was to say, the principal, never everyone decided that I could, you know, finish. And that's how I felt with a lot of things. I couldn't complete um, who I was and it was just an abruption. And then when I found cannabis, I was 22 years old when I tried it the first time, um, which I think is very uncommon. I think a lot of people try it in the teenage year, but I think I was lucky in that sense because I could really see the medical benefits of it um and you know I have I think more mature mind that I can realize you know I don't do it to party or something like that I can buy you know uh the time and the space and the amount to not you know do too much so and that's also one thing that I was very surprised with when being a good girl and you know in Sweden uh cannabis is so uh forbidden it's like actually you can go to jail and you know if you have it in the hotel they will like Call the police if it's in the smell and stuff like that. So it's really, really bad. But growing up there, I had the view that it was mind altering, and you wouldn't be able to do anything. You would be a drug addict. And like now, I would honestly, I'll say, I'm, I'm a better parent. I'm a better employee. I'm a better. <laughs> I'm a better friend. I'm a better daughter, sister, everything to my um, closest people because I have my medicine. I didn't used to be like this, you know, so, yeah. Uh,
0: Again, uh, many congratulations and blessings to you for for finding a way to make yourself whole. And and hopefully this podcast is just one of a number of conversations that need to happen in the space. Uh, Back back on the conversation or the the piece of this related more to the metaverse, can you talk about more detail your experience with Canvas in the metaverse, uh, potentially, like, bridging the gap between, I've heard people talk about, like, you could go into the metaverse and order cannabis and have it delivered to your house, just different really creative ideas. What have you seen so far? And what would you like to see moving forward?
1: I mean, that uh, getting the delivered to your house. I haven't heard that, but I mean it's up and coming. I was actually talking to someone this morning about uh, McDonald's looking to being able to order hamburgers in the metaverse and having it delivered to your door. And I mean, that's amazing. And someone said, why would you want that? And I was like, well, to not have to take off your glasses, of course. Like, I hate taking off my glasses whenever I have to do something. And the same goes, like, as in, uh, even, like, eating or, like, yeah, even if I want to smoke or whatever. Like, I hate taking off the glasses. So, having a, being able to have someone maybe to come and deliver, whether it be food or cannabis or, I don't know, anything, that would be amazing. I saw someone else actually doing, um, that they had the whole work, um, like, planned out the off- in the metaverse so they could go and like grab a ticket with it's like something like that that's, that's amazing being able to stay in the metaverse and do it um but cannabis wise what i've seen so far uh again i'm very very new i haven't seen a lot <laughs> but what i very quickly noticed is um that the cannabis community is very very big as well so i'm a big fan of all space vr which is owned by microsoft um and i feel like that's one of the best open world platforms, just because like users themselves can create so much without having to, you know, use a company or a creator that charges a lot. You can actually wait by yourself and just do these amazing worlds. Um, what I've seen there is particularly, um, I think it, there's a community that is twice a be- week that meets and plays uh, cards against humanity. And what they do is basically and afterwards it, they, um, um, do what's it called, uh, there, uh, and they, you know, support each other and just, like, having fun. And everyone that I spoke to, I spoke to people in there that's between the age of 25 up to 60 years old, and all of them say, like, we don't like drinking alcohol. We're just here to, like, have a good time. All of them usually have kids around them. So they're, like, home watching the kids. They can't go out. But they still want to socialize with other people, you know. And I, I think that's uh, what it is. Like, the cannabis community is a little bit more calmer than and the alcohol community so to say and we like just like taking a seat back which you can do with the heads on, sitting in the sofa and just you know relaxing so maybe you can teach us up
0: yeah it's a whole vibe uh shout out to ken thank you for supporting us from the philippines and, and linkedin we can see you in the chat as well if you want to let us know where you're from thank you for supporting and, and obviously everyone in discord chat uh, i want to take a quick commercial break if you will and allow anyone to come to the stage to ask questions if you have them for katie if you raise your hand, I can see your hands raised here and promote you to the stage. And you're welcome to ask a question uh, live here in the QA. And while I'm on that note, again, this podcast is it's powered by Gamify. It's an ideal launch pad for basically uh, creating and launching and scaling anything that is gamified from the metaverse to blockchain games, play to earn, esports, etc. And on that note, I believe there is one more NFT left available to be minted out of their recent NFT, out of our recent NFT drop, drop that uh, happened on Monday. So if you go to, I believe it's app.gamify.gg or just go to www.gamify.gg. Let me get that actual URL because I obviously in the middle of the podcast. You go to, yeah, app, app.gamify.gg slash buy-nft you'll be able to go buy that last and mint that last NFT, which gets you um, basically the ability to skip the whitelist or or be ahead of the whitelist for the upcoming IDO launches. So again, there's one more left. I want to make sure if you're listening, you go ahead and grab that before they're all sold out. On that note, we we don't have any questions asked here yet. So I want to shift gears back over to iGaming and the metaverse. Uh, You spent a lot of time... Katie, that I've seen in Random Auto five, six? six?
1: <laughs> five, no, five. five, six is not here yet. Six but, is coming, five. yeah, yeah, right.
0: Tell everyone about that because I, you, you know, you, you made a statement earlier that you have not spent a lot of time in the metaverse, but I think you would agree with me that the gaming industry is the metaverse and has been for, for years.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, so uh, I asked my friend, Chris exact like a year ago i messaged him and i was like because that's when i started to hear about the metaverse and i was like what is the metaverse or is there several because i tried to google on it and i couldn't find an answer and i was like why is everyone talking about this but no one really has an answer and he also said that you know it, it can be many things so you're absolutely right like metaverse okay maybe i've been in the metaverse in the sense that i've played um other games and i've been online and stuff so um grand theft Auto, yes i'm a big big fan uh i have played the (laughs) rockstar games i think both of my maternity leaves like 24 hours like when i was breastfeeding i would just have the kid on my breast while i was like playing i just tell like kids in america like you're literally being killed by a mother right now like you should (laughs) feel sorry uh so yeah yeah, and then when I came back to work, like I told my friends at work, and they were wow. like, I was uh, trying to make fun with me, calling me GTA Mom, but I loved it, so yes. I go by that name now, GTA Mom. <clears throat> but anyway, yeah, it's, uh, it was, so GTA 5 was released in 2013, yeah. um, and in 2019, I yeah. think they um, yeah. released the casino in Grand Theft Auto, so, so I remember in my industry, a lot of people like saw this trailer when Grasshopper was going to release the scene now, and they were like, oh my god, mystery, you know, and what if uh, Amazon and uh, Netflix create games and stuff, I mean, Netflix has done that now, but that was like one of the scariest things for us at the moment, um, but it's been two years, and I haven't heard anyone in my industry say anything about it, or do anything, and like i i was one of the first ones to just run up to play it and i was like just waiting for someone to give a review or talk about like now it's actually possible to go gamble um in this grand theft auto and i think one of the things again like um since i love old space and stuff like it's an um grand theft auto as well it's an open world uh game so you can basically go around touch anything do Anything when they then released the casino and gave the possibility to touch and do anything in casino, meaning saying blackjack or saying stop machines or placing a bet on horse racing, that was like for us. So, um, (laughs) I started doing it a lot, like, I absolutely love going there. I don't know, I'm, I'm even though i work in gambling i'm not a big fan of gambling in real life like going to an actual casino i love doing it online i can do it like at an online casino absolutely but doing it now in grand theft auto that's so much more fun like i literally call my friends and we'll go and we'll sit by the stock machine so we pretend to sit by the bar or new you know enjoy the view on the terrace and that's the thing with grand theft auto as well like it's so detailed um, one of the things if you play a lot of casino for example you know that uh, return to player is very very important Then you need to see how many percentage so you get back yeah, so i was encourage myself that of and I keep your all of these things uh into their stuff machines as well in addition to changing bet lines, yeah. line lines and stuff like that so it was just so many details that I had never in my life could imagine that they would do without actually having um, a real casino. Um, and another thing I was a little bit worried in the beginning, like how how does it work? Like can they earn money and take business from us? Like granted, I thought they can they take business from us in the eye gaming industry with this, but they have very good responsible gambling features. So one thing that we in the eye gaming industry are very, very um, focused on is responsible gambling, making sure that, um, players don't play for more than they can afford, and that they stop playing when it stops being fun. Um, and I could actually see that Rockstar had implemented this in Grand Theft Auto as well, with the deposit limit, uh, with the possibility to not, you know, do certain things too long. And I just, it's amazing. I'm, I'm really impressed. <laughs>
0: it's I think you made a profound statement there when you mentioned that you don't do gambling in real life but you would in this virtual environment several things you said that that's one of them uh, because I, I went to Las Vegas for the first time two years ago uh, for CES and as soon as I got off the plane like there was literally a slot machine there like in the, the gateway uh, and and then like every other 100 yards there was at least one slot machine and then when I got down to the actual, businesses. There were slot machines everywhere. And I really didn't have any interest in in engaging in the slot machines there because I've grown up playing video games my entire life. So I I want something that's a little bit more skill-based, a little bit more interactive than 15 or 20 different brands on top of the same slot machine experience. Uh, But I, I might spend my time doing that in Grand Theft Auto because I love playing video games. So I'm glad to hear that from you as well. And I also find it odd that you said something very specific that The iGaming industry was concerned about the launch of the casinos inside of Grand Theft Auto. But then you also said they haven't done anything since then to basically put themselves in this space. Right. We know that. Anybody can make a game. Obviously, the casino industry is profitable. Why would they not invest at the very least in getting their own placements in different places like Sandbox or Decentraland or build their own gaming ecosystem, to tap into the millennials and Gen Z community who don't typically go to places like Las Vegas?
1: Honestly, um, it's because it's not millennials or Gen Z sitting and deciding in this company. They don't know. Like, I literally listened to a podcast, like, what was it, three weeks ago, of someone who was very, very high up in my industry. I'm not going to name any names. And uh, it was an amazing podcast. I have looked up to him so long and it was so good. And then in the end, uh, he got a question, like, do you know what I think what, what the metaverse is? And he didn't know. And it was like, how can you not know if you work in marketing? How can you not know what the metaverse is? Um, and I think that's why they're not really investing. But again, like it's coming. I, I'm seeing the sense of, you know, Disney and Twitter and everyone is looking into how they can profit on, on gambling and the metaverse in a whole. So in some way it's going to come. I just think it's still a lot of stigma and the operators still haven't really got out of the, how do I say, like they're still in the shadows because they think other people think they're in the shadows. But once, I think now when uh, America has just uh, recently started to legalize online gambling, you know, um, New York has just been live a month. Um, so it's coming, it's going to come. And once they see, I think New York was, b- broke all the records so, obviously, the, everyone in New York now is going to look into the possibilities of maybe going to Decentraland or some, somewhere else, you know.
0: You, I know you You and I both know Chris Kisak, and and he's a <laughs> thought leader in this space. Uh, I know that he was recently working for, I want to say, the, I'm going to blank on the country. He was working in Malta? No. Uh,
1: no, uh, Isle of Man.
0: Yeah, Isle of Man, uh, and they have a, a huge iGaming presence as well. But I also know that like the gaming industry is is putting events on in Isle of Man and Malta. Have you seen a larger presence of that over the last, I guess, seven years? Have you have been involved in this space?
1: Uh, what do you mean, like seeing a, that. They want more to go like traditional
0: into- gaming companies going there or game developers? I know that like there's a conference that I think it's in Las Vegas now that that's trying to a casino entertainment conference or something. It's trying to bridge the gap between the two, like introduce casinos mm. to game developers and game developers to casinos to kind of create that middle ground. Have you seen any of that on mm-hmm. your end?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, they're trying to like, com- uh, what do you say? Um, co- Converse? No, sorry, my converge, English yeah. is not my first language. no, no yeah, 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 it's perfect. Yeah, you're b- between them, you know, so um, I think esports is a great example, you know, how they're trying to get um, people who normally don't play on Soccer or football or something like that, but actually play um, video games to start betting on esports instead. Um, so, absolutely, that there's a bridge over there where they're trying to, you know, get everything to, yeah, sorry.
0: No problem, no problem. Can you explain? And, and I'm not very familiar with, with iGaming. Uh, again, <laughs> last, the first and, and last time I went to a casino basically was Las Vegas two years ago, a sports book. Can you define some of those key terms? And, and then I'd like to talk about if you've seen any of that in esports. I know it's still early days, um, but you work obviously remotely for um, Seminal Hard Rock or, or Hard Rock Seminole yeah. here in Tampa.
1: Hard Rock, but, but yeah. yeah.
0: Hard Rock, have, have you seen, can you explain some of those terms and, and talk about what you've seen on an esports side, if at all?
1: Um, so I haven't seen a lot to be honest. I know they just launched uh in hard rock in Atlantic City, like an e-sport area, but about that, I don't really know. I haven't really worked on it. I know that everyone is looking into e-sport I mean, e-sport is the big next thing again. Like, if you're going to target millennials or Gen Z, you're not going to go to normal, regular sports because that's not what they've been playing. They you bet mm-hmm. on um, sports that you know. Um, so, um yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, sorry, can you say the question again? And, and
0: then what's, what's a sport book?
1: Sport book, okay. Yes. So it's when you place a bet, you place money on an event that happens, whether it be sport, you can actually place bets on the weather. And now you can even place bets on crypto, for example, what the value is going to be in a couple of hours and stuff. So there's a lot of different things you can bet on. But normally when we talk, talk about sportsbook, obviously, sports. It's football, basketball, something like that. And you can bet on events like how many goals it will be, corners, um, you know, if someone is going to get um, switched from the game, stuff like that. So there's a lot of different elements that can be played on, but all of them have in common that you can't really pre- – you can try to, like, predict, but you can't really know for sure. So you're betting on um, a chance. <laughs>
0: Do you think that that the iGaming space is prepared for uh, a solution for, like, for lack of a better term, collusion? So there's an issue here in, in esports where some players or teams will collude to fix matches um, so that they can basically game the system and get more prize money and share it. I don't know if that's a, a major problem in poker or, or in the iGaming space. Is is it a problem, and and how does the iGaming space address that issue?
1: I'm just going to refer to the comments. Sorry, in football, yes, I mean soccer, I mean football, everything, and basketball. Sorry, I'm seeing okay, you ahead, mentioning all the sports there in the comments. But um, yeah. So one more time, can you just repeat it? Yeah, comments, yeah. No, no, We had to the comments
0: come in, and you're you're and people. Yeah, see I that. Saw, like, uh, you the- YouTube. We have uh, one of our, our very active members there. Thank you asking about sportsbook being across all types of sports. So soccer, baseball, um, American football, uh, basketball, et cetera. And, and Katie was saying that you can get sports sportsbook uh, action, I guess, across all sports. Yeah. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Exactly, so
1: exactly. Th-
0: the question exactly. I had was, how does the iGaming market address issues with people basically trying to fix matches? Because right. we have some yeah. of that collusion so, happening in, in esports.
1: I think that's why a lot of operators also isn't going into esports because you can't really um, prevent it in the same way. So when we look at, if we don't look at esports, for example, we look at um, soccer or football or baseball, or whatever you want to call it. Um, the operators usually look if there's a match fix by either that they're seeing there's a lot of odds or a lot of amounts coming in that's like very different at a certain uh, bet um, or you know, they also have, you know, contacts where they can hear, um, you know, people that people have been talking, they're obviously called chicken different forums and they also have te- lo- technical, um, uh, advancements, you know, where they can see if someone is, you know, logging in from different IPs or stuff like that. So they are doing different things. But with, um, e that's a lot more different because again, like you can't, let's say you have Counter-Strike, for example, you can't really make sure that everyone doesn't have, you know, something, whether it be in their computer or their mouse or in their headset, or it's it's a lot more difficult than, let's say, on the game floor um, of a basketball game or something like that. You can actually, like, check people. Um, so I think that's why we haven't really gone into esports. But again, we want to. I don't know how we're going to get into it. but. Hopefully, I think the eSports community as well are so interested in getting money into that community so they want to help, you know, gambling be possible. Um, So, yeah, hopefully there will be some technical uh, thing that can help us in the future.
0: So let's take GTA 5 and the casino there since you have some experience there. Have you seen any evidence of people trying to game the system there? Does it seem like it kind of reproduces the in-person sports betting and gambling experience?
1: No, not really. Like So when I'm trying to do research, for example, like, oh, can you earn how to make money in the casino in GTA and stuff like that? Like, the most thing I can find is just people recommending different um, soap machines that ha- have better time to play you than others. So there's not really anything you can do to cheat, like the yeah. casino or whether you go to which operator you go to, they're going to have a lot of um, controls on you. So uh Rockstar's have done, like, done a great job there. They made sure that there's not really any fraud going on. They also have a second in game currency to make sure that you can't really buy into the GTA dollars like super much per day to be able to bet you have to buy in to the casino and get casino ships instead. And that's a place where you have a deposit So you can't go in too much per day either. It's just a certain amount.
0: Okay, and I guess that makes sense because Rockstar—it's it's their game, it's their experience—they control the odds. Versus esports, the players control the outcome. Let me say that differently. Uh, more or less, just like the house has has some sort of percentages of win rate and lose rate um, in in GTA because they've basically embedded the experiences code, like they they've written code to create those same odds or similar odds. So it would be more difficult for the average person to impact the outcome, because it's just math, mm. versus esports, you have people, their their ability to communicate offline and and you know, the ability to throw a match. You have that extra
1: element there. Mm. Exactly. And then it's one thing that I, I remember um, our future friend Chris, um, <laughs> he talked a lot about um, what is this integrity? Something? I don't remember the name. But where you actually start at the same game level. Like you have the same amount of weapons, the same amount of everything. in GTA doesn't really have that. And I think that's why, you know, they can't really either um get into the esports side of it. Do you understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a yeah. no level setting. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's um yeah. It, it was particularly particular name had for it, but sorry. Yeah.
0: it's okay. Do you, you see an issue with miners? uh engaging inside the the um gta 5 casino space because obviously like gaming is open to anyone who has access to it and and even though gta 5 is a maturated game like parents buy their kids games all the time how how is rockstar or in your experience have you seen they put in like age appropriate controls
1: i don't think they can really do anything i mean rockstar in the game by itself is but not really child friendly (laughs) yeah um so I, I don't think if you either if you're just staying at the casino or no matter where you go, like it's going to be um, elements that you um, will account that are um, for adults. Again, since they have a second Indian currency and you have to buy poker chips that have a certain limit per day, I think Roxo did a great job in making sure that children, if they enter casino, the casino um, can't keep buying or you know using the parents' credit card or something like that, which I just to compare it to um, the Poker Stars and the, the Poke VR app uh, in the Oculus Quest um, that I just have been playing now, and it's just in the in those apps you can literally go in and buy and spend the money without any controls at all. You just approve it from you know in the uh, headset or through the phone, and that I think is a bigger issue of how to, you know, making sure that um, no one buys because they're actually earning money. on. I think Rockstar is not really earning money on the casino itself. Of course, they're earning money on GTA dollars and other stuff like that. But the casino itself, I think they did a really good job with just keeping the second in-game currency to prevent any types of discussion about how this can be harmful for kids or spending money there, um, which PokerStars and PokerVR, which hasn't been really done here.
0: Yeah, and I think that's an opportunity for, for casinos and iGaming in general in the metaverse is that we have the concept of KYC, you know, AML, um, Know Your Customer mm-hmm. and Anti-Money laundering. For example, if you, in order to, to be a part of the uh, Gamify ecosystem and in many platforms, you have to basically, especially exchanges, uh, you have to verify your identity, uh, which includes your age, right? And so from that perspective, you can then prevent people who are under the legal betting age from being in an ecosystem. Uh, but I think the other side of that is you've got platforms like OpenSea where there is no KYC, and anybody can misrepresent themselves or get a number of wallets and, and be a part of that. So I think that creates an ecosystem and opportunity for abuse. Mm.
1: Mm, I completely agree. Um, and I had a really interesting discussion yesterday. Like, what what happens if OpenSea is deleted? Like, the, I just want to ask you, what do you think would happen if OpenSea is deleted?
0: I chaos and then someone will basically step up to create a replacement um, I, I think OpenSea has a number of centralized issues and, and integrity issues as a whole so I personally wouldn't mind if OpenSea went away but I don't have a major stake in OpenSea
1: And what about, about your you? NFT book? No, I'm, I'm, like, wasn't your NFT book on OpenSea or that?
0: It, it is on OpenSea but it, it, uh, you know, it's the asset we we minted it on the third-party platform and then added it into OpenSea. So while that would be highly inconvenient because we're already using OpenSea, I, I think that there should be more competition, more options in the ecosystem, and, and ultimately more interoperability. So the fact that that right now I'm dependent on OpenSea is, I think, an issue with the ecosystem. It's not scalable.
1: Right. I mean, in the point with Web3 is that you're not any one of whole acts. It's supposed to be your own and not. Have to depend on third parties.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well. uh, Yeah. You're right. If if OpenSea went went down today, I I would be in a a world of trouble for that NFT, uh, at least where it's being listed. And and that's probably an opportunity for me to look at some other alternatives. So I don't have all my eggs in one digital basket.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but it's also really difficult. Like, so again, I I don't know a lot about this, but I'm looking into the NFT space and I'm trying to learn. Like, I have um, I'm thinking about doing some things with cannabis cows, obviously, um, but. I haven't really decided and it's just that that thing with OpenC that you're dependent on it and that what happens if it actually gone? Like do how how much money is lost if, if OpenC suddenly just disappears, you know. So just
0: Yeah, I think ultimately you want to keep your assets in your wallet if possible and in cold storage, so offline. Um, and so to the degree that you are you have your over indexed on open sea, then you're inviting that opportunity for for disaster. So it, it's all about being more prudent and and careful, um, just cautious in general about like how you distribute your assets. Because I, I I lost a bunch of Bitcoin, not a bunch of Bitcoin. What what was it effectively two Bitcoin in 2013? Because I had um, a non I had a custodial wallet inside of a, a decentralized a a decentralized exchange. And they decided they were going to start charging me maintenance fees for keeping my crypto in that wallet on that exchange. So effectively, like I lost all my money in fees over the course of 12 months because I was too busy at my day job to go do anything about it. Um, I should have basically Mm. taken the money offline and had it in cold storage. And I did. not So that's a mistake I won't make again in the future. And hopefully I won't have that same problem happen in OpenSea. But Mm. I need to do something different. You're right.
1: But it's in uh, thing now that you mentioned it. Uh, I want to ask you about, so in a sense, trading in crypto is gambling?
0: Is trading crypto gambling? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I think,
1: Right? It is.
0: I think a lot of things are gambling. I think entrepreneurship is gambling. Um, but yes, trading in crypto yeah. is a form of gambling.
1: <laughs> right. But it's uh, like, because it was also something that people, I heard another podcast uh, that they were talking about my in industry where they said, that uh, the biggest gambling company in the world is uh, Coinbase, mm-hmm. right? Because like everyone's just gambling there. You never know like, if you're gonna win or not. You have no idea. So it's just very interesting to see. Like, and I, that's why I think gambling in a form of sense is like slowly being more accepted. Because when you look at things like whether it be crypto, or normal trading, or even real estate, sometimes like, it can be gambling, um, depending on how you do it.
0: It can. You're, you're playing the odds, uh, you know, you're trusting your intuition or you're just generally taking a risk. And, and with anything, you shouldn't risk more than you can afford to lose. But I, I agree. I think in investing into crypto is a form of gambling. And, and I, mm-hmm. I think that's why we need to see. I'm not for super regulation, but more regulation than what we have now, because there's just mm-hmm. if there are people who are addicted to gambling, at least in the gambling ecosystem, there are safety bets, if you will know mm. support programs things of that nature we don't have that from what i can see in the crypto exchange space or crypto in general
1: mm. but it's also a matter of like how a time you know like gambling online has been available so long now that regulations are like slowly falling in place like just this year again like last month sports betting became legal in new york like they still don't have casino uh, legally in new york so mm. there's a there's a long way there and crypto and everything, NFT is like so new that it's probably going to take a few years before um, consumers have that type of safety that you talk about. Um, but it's interesting also because Stock Exchange wants to um, start uh, was it trading on NFT. Have you heard anything about that?
0: NFTs? I, I haven't read yeah. details of that, but I saw that yesterday. I think that's interesting. I, I know that uh, DTCC which is, I don't know the, the acronym, but basically it's like the parent company, if you will, or, or, or sister brother company of, of the New York Stock Exchange. I think that controls like options trading. They're
1: mm.
0: nationally headquartered here in Tampa. Um, and I know that they were hiring for some folks in you know the crypto blockchain space because they wanted to. They understand that that's the future of how like, digital assets are going to be managed. And it makes sense for them to be ahead of the, the eight ball there.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's so interesting. All of this, like, and everything's happening so fast as well. Like, so many changes every day, every like something new. I feel like I just learned about NFTs, and now the New York Stock Exchange is jumping on it. So, I don't know.
0: Yeah, we're moving moving forward <laughs> at, at lightning speed. Uh, I look forward to what what's going to happen in the future. Again, you know, I don't want to see it be regulated to death, but I, I'd like to see more consumer protection. Is what I'm looking for. The word phrase.
1: Absolutely. So we're running I think, yeah, running I think that's the, very
0: important. We're running out the end of the episode here. um uh, up at the top of the hour. Is there anything else that you'd like to talk about here in the next few minutes? And if not, can you share where people can support you uh, and follow you and learn more from your insights, or even join you for a game of, of poker in GTA Five?
1: <laughs> absolutely. Well, um, if anyone wants to follow me on LinkedIn, I'm Katie DiStefano, but otherwise, you can usually find me on uh, Instagram or Xbox, if you want to do that. The Oculus as Costa del Smoke, which I use as my Instagram. Um, and yeah, you can also find me on YouTube, where I have some of my iGaming videos where I upload um, some information about, for example, trying Super Bowl in the which was really cool.
0: Yeah, I didn't know that the Super Bowl was in the Metaverse. I missed that. Actually, I missed the Super Bowl altogether.
1: Um, Kids. (laughs) I know, I know. I understand. I got a babysitter just to be able to see Super Bowl in VR. But, yeah, it was was fun. Next year, we have to join.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, This has been amazing. I really appreciate it. I've learned so much more about the the casino and and iGaming and and cannabis industries. So, I appreciate you sharing your insights here. we definitely look forward to having follow-up conversations with you from the Game of side. And um, everyone else, thank you for your time. We have a new episode coming up next Tuesday with Kevin Williams, who works with Spider. It's another uh, metaverse company they're, they're looking more from a VR perspective. So kind of real-life experiences, extensions of the metaverse. And with that, thank you all for your time. We'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye, friends.
1: Thank you. Bye.